Hello? Hi, it's Robert. Do you want to be on the show? Never call me again. Hello, welcome. My name is Robert, and this is Never Call Me Again. This is Jalen. Jalen, how are you? Hey, what's going on, Robert? Not much. How was your week? Oh, you said how was my week? Yeah. Oh, this week's been um been pretty good. You know, this week was um you know interesting because I'm just getting back from um Alaska and um you know, just kind of getting back into the flow here with everything going on with my work and um, recently just got out of a relationship. So I've been, yeah, I've been centering myself this week, Robert. I've been trying to get back into the flow of, uh, of um, you know, just getting back into the flow of life itself, you know? Yeah, I get that. I, and so when we, when we, I reached out to you earlier this week, I, I was, I asked you, I said, what, what, what time zone are you in? Because I, I thought I was like, is he in Alaska right now? And, um, <laughs> and so I know you're from Chicago, but I, I kept seeing all these posts from Alaska and I thought, I, I kind of, I was jealous, but then I was like, well, it's cold there and I, I, I don't want to be cold right now. And, um, <laughs> so I wasn't entirely certain where you are. It's, it's interesting that, you know, and so it, it sounds like you've, you've kind of had some, some ups and downs recently with, with, the relationship ending and, and with, you know, you've also, you know, you've had this amazing trip. And, and so you're actually also just coming off probably a pretty substantial high of producing a, a new song that is out. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. So true, man. Yeah. You know, I think that the, um, coming back from Alaska, um, definitely had some, some highs and lows come from that but yeah i i definitely am still also that high from releasing um my last track that uh track sorry that i love you is that the one you're talking about yeah I'm sorry that I think of you every single night. It's true. I guess I got nothing left to lose. I better say what's been on my mind. I've been waiting for you my whole life. I just didn't realize at the time. But now I see it when I look in your eyes. Yep, that song, man. Woo! that uh that track in particular man three years in the making it's so crazy now that it's out you know three why why three years what what tell me about that that's kind of interesting well so like you know i moved uh into my new house i live out in elgin uh you know 40 minutes west of downtown chicago and um you know originally i started making this song with just a beat and so 
the first singer on it, Dylan, I met him at a Planet Fitness uh, about a mile away from my house. <laughs> and he, <laughs> bro, it was so crazy because, like, you know, I was just at the gym and, you know, I was just looking to, you know, pick up, like, some tricks and some tips on, like, how to, you know, just, like, get my form right and all that. So I saw that Dylan was a trainer at Planet Fitness. So I walked up to him, like, hey, what's up, man? Can you give me, you know, any tips on this? Da, da, da. We started talking. And he noticed that I had a tattoo on my left arm, my forearm. I have a, uh, a music tattoo. And he was like, yo, man, you do music? I was like, yeah, bro, I produce. I play drums. You know, I'm the whole King Kabuto. He's like, oh, that's what's up. I'm a singer. I, you know, play in a band. And I'm like, oh, bro, that's what's up. So we exchanged our contact information. And we were like, yo, we got to jam sometime, man. And, you know, that turned into a week later, him coming over to the house. Um, and we started... We started jamming right on the spot, man, where, you know, I started playing some beats that I had and it was that beat that popped up and, you know, he started vibing to him. He was like, oh man, this is sick. And literally like in the studio right there, I would say within the first 15 minutes or so of like us just meddling around with ideas, singing out loud, that's when he came up with the hook. I'm sorry that I love you. I know you don't want me to. Hate to be the bearer of such awful news. And I looked at him and I was like, bro, what did you just say? Like, that's it. Like, that's it. And, um, you know, he finished writing his hook, the verse. And you want to hear something crazy, actually, yeah. about his hook and his verse? Yeah. All right. It's deep. It's deep. It's so... This is just how deep the world is and how small our world is. So that verse that he wrote was about, you know, this, this woman who, you know, he really uh, wanted to tell that he had feelings for her, but just couldn't because of a situation where, you know, it, it just didn't allow for him to be able to share this with her. And so, you know, long and behold, you know, he ends up writing these lyrics reflecting his reality in the moment and that turned into a moment of down the line after you know he recorded his verse him and that woman ended up dating really <laughs> yeah yeah him and that woman ended up dating and i i know i knew this woman because i i, I knew her because you know we went to elementary school together and, you know, I would see him and her at the gym. And at first I was like, Oh, like I know her from elementary school. I don't think she remembers me though. Dylan was training her and I'm like, Oh, cool. Like, you know, and one day he was like, yeah, man, you know, I'm really, 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 you know, I, I feel like this is the one for me. You know, I feel like she's the one and, but I don't, you know, Dylan's a very professional dude, so he's not about to, you know what I'm saying, just get out there and do whatever. Like, he holds right. himself to a really high standard. And so he kept it to himself, put it in the form of lyrics. Well, long and behold, you know, a couple months go by, you know, and they're now dating. And I'm like, whoa, this is crazy. So then that was his verse come to life. And then the 
the rapper on it, which is my homie OG Denzel. These memories still vivid of just what we tried to do. You ain't think that we be in it, must have thought I lied to you. Girl, I know we might be finished, but I still cry for you. You know I'm gonna ride for you, might catch a homicide for you. It's all true, and I don't even know what to do. Got you on my mind, my heart on the ground, trying to find time to balance the two. Walking probably finna cop us a coupe. Road trip, we can chop off the roof. I know sometimes I trouble you. Sorry, I'm in love with you. He wrote his verse off of a situation that he was going through. And, you know, this is now year two of the song. Two to like the end of, you know, I'd say last year where, you know, Denzel put his verse on talking about his situation with the, a woman that he was seeing. When I was putting the song together, I knew that Dylan had more of like a pop punkish sound, more pop very unique and I said what can I do as a producer to bring kind of like another dynamic or another story to you know just this overall sound and I knew my homie OG Denzel was open to the idea of collaborating crossing over genres so I got him and Dylan connected that's when Denzel wrote his verse and then I was like this is fucking crazy like okay now we got this this pop you know, punkish kind of sound. Now we're blending that in with just like raw hip hop, you know, sh- straight from Chicago. And then, you know, with my background in uh, in jazz, being a jazz drummer, I said that I wanted to at least have like a special touch on it to, you know, this is going to be something that will distinguish like, oh, this is a beat produced by Observe. And I brought in my friend Rob Norsley, who plays saxophone. And him and I have been playing in our quartet now for about 10 years. Um, and I was like, bro, you got to drop a fucking sax solo on this. So he came over to the lab, uh, played a saxophone solo. And then, you know, going into year three is when, you know, I, all the, the stars aligned, you know, and I was able to, you know, arrange all the tracks, get it mixed. We shot a music video with, uh, a friend Dan Ducing, who I you know I've been working with for the past ten years or so, and you know it was a very cool moment to pull all of that together. I mean, after three years, you know the original files from the track were lost on my hard drive, and like that hard drive dropped, so I lost the files and like only had just the MP3 of it, and I had to do just there was just a lot that went into the. Uh, the the framework and the behind the scenes of the song to get it to this final moment. So yeah, I'm definitely still on a high from that, and I appreciate you so much for checking that out and you know watching the video and everything, Rob. Yeah, it was awesome, and that was and so if you remember, that was the the, the sax was the what that was the element that that kind of jumped out at me, and what was so cool about it is that you're right, it, it's kind of this unexpected element in the whole thing. And so when you get the whole story and you're like, okay, this is, this is a a jazz drummer, a producer with this, this original beat and track. And, and then these, these, you know, there's this unexpected, you know, meeting. And so when you guys met at the gym, that my very first, I have so many questions about everything you just said. Um, (laughs) 
it, there's just so much fuel there. And so my first question would be, um, does, uh, did, when, when you guys met, did you, and you're like, okay, yeah, you know, we, you met and there's the tattoo and there's this connection and there's this conversation at any point in the conversation, was there, there any definition of this is the type of music that he does? And, and so I'm, I'm curious, did you just, were you just like, Hey, yeah, that's cool. Let's do something. And, and you didn't even know what kind of music he does or, or did you know? Yeah, I had no idea what type of music he did. Um, in terms of like what his sound was too, we did like, uh, you know, share that, you know, I told him I was mostly like a, a hip hop producer and I do like pop and everything. But I told him, I was like, yeah, I'm open to really all music, you know. I, uh, and then he told me that he had uh, did some uh, recordings with his band, which was primarily like a punk band. So in my mind, when I hear uh, punk, I'm imagining, uh, you know, like Green Day and, you know, System of the Down, bands like that. But, you know, it wasn't until um, he came over to the studio where he showed me uh, some of his demos uh, with with his band. And I was like, oh, man, I was like, this is dope, you know. <laughs> that's see, And that's that's what's awesome to me. And it's funny because it, it, it reminds me. So this conversation and, and so many elements of this conversation remind me of your TED Talk, which I, I really want to talk about a lot of things in the TED Talk. Um, I'm really interested in that. I think it's a great conversation. I, I love that there is this connection with the TED Talk and with what we're talking about now with you saying, you know, hey, yeah, okay, you know, what you do is completely different, but we should absolutely collaborate and, and do this very individual thing. And what's interesting to me is you thrown out earlier that, that you were a jazz drummer. And when I think of jazz, I, you know, I love jazz. And so the reason I love jazz is, is kind of, it, it ties in directly with your TED Talk. And, um, so in my mind, when when I go to see a jazz band, if I go see if I go see the same band do the same set three Fridays in a row, what I love is it's going to be subtly different each time. Every every single time, um, you know, people are gonna gonna have the freedom at at one point or another in the set to kind of do their own thing in the moment with the vibe, with the, the ambience of the, of the audience, um, the mood of the evening. Um, that's what I, lo- I think that's what people love about jazz is that it's, 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 you know, in music, I think it really is the ultimate freedom of, of expression in that there, there are rules, but those rules are very bendable. Do you, do you, do you see that? Mm-hmm. Oh man. Yeah. Every, every, Every single element of what you just said is so true. Yeah, definitely. And jazz, where that aspect of, I always, you know, do the analogy and think about we're all hopping in the car together, you know, uh, you know, and we're, we're going to uh, uh, go from destination A to B, but nobody has a map. We just have a, we know how to operate this vehicle. Okay. And, we're all just going to get there together and each time we can get there a different way, but we'll still end up at the same destination, you know? Yeah, that's a good, that's a good analogy. And, and you know, what's funny is, is, you know, the, and so when you were talking about that, I was thinking, and you know, everybody doesn't have gas money, you know, 
We got five guys in yeah. the car, and and you did you don't have no money, and you want a Slurpee, yeah. and and we got to stop for directions oh. and gas, and and that's kind of how music. That's how I think music should be, and so. You posted something yeah. today, and this is kind of off track of where we were going, but that's okay. You posted something. I actually just saw it on Facebook, and um, yeah. it was talking about your about knowing your value, knowing you know, knowing how much your time is worth. And um, I and I've been thinking about that a lot lately. Time is really, really incredibly important to me. And um, you know, money. I can earn money. I can't earn time. Time is, time is, mm. it's a serious, serious commodity. And so what's interesting is when I was thinking about talking to you today, I, I, I started thinking about when I saw that post, I started thinking about my time and how I use my time. And it again brought me back to the TED Talk and, and a couple of statements you made in it. And um, you know what's interesting is I'm, I'm incredibly busy. And so I, I work almost seven days a week. Actually, I do. I work seven days a week, and I, yeah. I spend a lot of time here in my studio. And on my downtime, every single night when I go when I go to bed, the very first thing I do is I put my headphones on, I open up one of, of several music apps, and I start listening to music, and it will be something different every single night. But that is the... You know, that music, that connection with, with whatever emotion, with whatever's going on in my life or, or in the moment or, or whatever artist I, I just absolutely need to hear at that point, that is our time. And, and, and so I get to share that time seven days a week with a different artist or, or sometimes the same artist several days in a row. But that is it's so interesting. And, and so one of the things you said in the TED Talk... Um, you talked about the the two things you need to survive. What are those things? Yeah, um, water and music. I I agree. It's um, you know, it's funny. And and what made me think about the the connection to a jazz drummer and to your your current project in that conversation is. Um, you were, and so you were talking about water and music and the importance of it. And you, you segued eventually in the conversation or, or in the dialogue um, to the idea that, you know, students can walk into a music classroom and be, be handed a, a sheet of music and create by rote and, and just copy. And, and, and this is, this is what, they, what, they, what is prescribed and this is what you will do. The other option is that you can you can walk in and you know hand them a, an iPad or or you know set them down at a computer with a, a digital audio workstation and say create something and and it can it can come together. You talked a lot about um, you know gatekeepers and in that in the music industry right now in the world with music right now. Um, there are no longer these these defined gatekeepers up in this you know at this big table in the sky. It, we are the gatekeepers, and we are the ones that determine what we listen to. It's no longer we're no longer chained to the radio, and and it's the top forty over and over and over again. Um, you know, it's it's we get to listen to what we want to listen to, and I, I think that that 
gives you a greater appreciation for the music, for the artist, for, for the art. And um, for some reason, what just popped in my head was, um, I remember back in the 90s, um, Gwen Stefani had that, that, that the song was No Doubt, that they literally played, um, literally like every 15 minutes on the radio, and it, and it got to a point, and it was super catchy, and, and you, you just kind of had to listen, but after a while, it was kind of like driving fucking nails into my ears, because I had heard it so much, and yeah. I agree that, you know what, I want to hear what I want to hear, and um, yeah. Why is it important that that with with music is music is 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 it's media now it's 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 digital it's everywhere it's contained on Facebook on Instagram on Twitch um, or Twitter it is absolutely everywhere um, how is that changing things and 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 why is it important Yeah I think you know it's changing with the evolving technologies I mean the internet was really a great vehicle for this to happen and conduit for you know all of these innovators in and around the music space to just create you know of course these platforms where they could give their you know the listener um, the uh, autonomy to choose what they what really break it down to a granular level like what frequency do I want to listen to right now of course, you know, and I'm so happy that you brought up that example of, you know, back in the, the day as I understand it. And your example spoke exactly to it is like, it's like they're fucking ramming the same frequencies down your throat, you know, and that's not fair. You know, people deserve to be able to choose what frequency they want to consume and be able to say, I want to turn this on now i want to turn this off now and i think that gives ultimately people a sense of of self uh um self i guess self power um in a way where you know we have that option to choose and it's it's just so important because it allows someone to improve other areas of their lives um in a, in a very deep way, it's kind of like a snowball effect. If I listen to this song and the result is I get pumped up, the 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 result of me getting pumped up and you know this feeling this ecstasy in my body from listening to this song may induce uh, me to do something or create an action such as going to the gym, which will improve my health, or maybe you know. Um, uh, listening to a classical song and that will create the action of me, you know, inducing relaxation and, you know, easing my anxiety within my body. Or if I'm going through a breakup, I'm listening to a song that will help me to validate what feelings or emotions I'm feeling so I can feel better about my situation and it will cause my heart to not be in pain or you know, and, and it just it just continues on. But, you know, I think that without gatekeepers, um, per se, you know, it, it just gives the listener, the user, and the, the opportunity to experience uh, music in a way where the control is in their hands first. Um, and I think that's how it should be, you know. Um, you know, back in the, I'm guessing the early 1900s, mid-1900s, 
you only had a couple of frequencies that you could tune to. Well, now you have a countless amount of frequencies you can tune into. And, you know, it's up to the user to decide. And I think that's so important. What was the, what was the last song that, that you listened to? And how did it make you feel? What did it, what did, what did it incite in you? Yeah, you know, the last song that I listened to, um, man, you know, I listened to, <laughs> I listened to this song by Cody Shane, uh, uh, Cody Shane and Trippy Red. And the name of the song is called Love and Drugs Part Two. And, uh, when I listened to this song in particular, um, because again, I feel like, you know, I, I just, I just feel so deeply with music and how it relates to my my uh, current just reality and with me just going through this recent breakup, I have these spurts of just moments where I'm just like, wow, I kind of want to listen to something that's really just going to help me ease that, you know, that transition. And so this song in particular takes me to that place where I just, you know, they're talking about you know, love and, and hate, uh, hate and, you know, how these two words are so powerful and, you know, uh, there's a, there's a part in the song where Trippy Red says, you know, trying to fight all of these, trying to fight all of these demons in the zone while I'm home all alone, home all alone. They want it bad, but they can't take my soul. No, they can't take my soul can't take my soul and when i listen to those lyrics i'm just like yeah yeah i mean it's so it was just so deeply intertwined with my experience with like okay being in a relationship and how you know at, at some point in time you have to balance the you know the art of maintaining your soul and spirit while also co-existing with this you know spirit and soul and finding the synchronicities and it is just deep so yeah that was a song that i listened to recently um uh and yeah it takes you there so what about you do you have a, a song uh that you most recently listened to i do actually um it was um john stoddart um and, and it was his rendition of isn't she lovely and it was the remix version which is a little shorter but i, mm -hmm. I really and i don't know if you're familiar with him He's kind of a, I, I would guess he's a, like a, like a jazz singer type of, you know, type of vibe that I get from him. But it's, it's also, he also kind of has this, he's only, he's, he's, he's kind of in a way he's, he's a, there's a storyteller element to, to his voice that um, it, it's almost like he is the American version of John Martin. Um, mm. And um so when I found him, I was just like, you know, okay, who is he? And, and what I wanted, and so what it was is I wanted to hear Isn't, Isn't She Lovely, but I, I wanted to hear it by someone different. And um, I, I really enjoy covers because I really, I really like seeing how someone interprets um, someone else's music. And I, I don't like every cover because when it's a cover just to be a cover, it's just, you know, it's what's popular. It's what I want to do because my voice sounds good on it. I don't connect with it at all. I, I really want you to to reinterpret. Um, I, I want it to mean something to you um, because if it means something to you, then it will mean something to me. 
I, I, I talk to a, a different artist literally every single day. And, and I get to explore their world and their mind and who they are and why they create and what they yeah. create. But what's, what's really interesting to me is, you know, I will, I will sometimes, I will connect with one artist more than I do another. And, um, and it never really matters who they are or what they do. It's just that it's that connection that you have for whatever reason. But the thing with music is this in musicians is in my mind. And, and so I'm a former artist and, even above my own art, I, you know, what, what influences me and what encourages me and, and makes me happy, makes me sad, what, what impacts me the most is music. And so music to me, in my mind, is, is the greatest of art forms. It, um, it just touches me. And so since we're reminiscing, I wanted to talk about 1982. Um, do you know where I'm going with this? Mm-hmm. Where am I going with this? I think we're we're about to talk about one of the greatest to do it. Back in 1982, right? We're talking about, you know, Michael Jackson. And, yes, we are. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, when he... And, you know, Robert, I wish I was so alive during this time, man, to experience that era of just like... Uh, just like... Uh, just disco and just... Music in general, I feel like in the 70s and 80s was like the shit and i mean that because it's like a lot of those influences are in modern music now and michael jackson was like right at the forefront you know i think about you know his influence with music and just his human impact right um made pepsi pay out five or close to five million dollars to put him you know in the forefront of their company because he was in the the limelight and the spotlight where any move he would make would shift markets. And that's exactly what happened, you know, and that's the power of music. And, you know, I think, you know, um, you know, folks like Michael Jackson really paved the way for tying over, um, connecting music in a deeper way that, humanity had never felt it before and i think it was just kind of like that cultural social impact that we needed to like shift toward the direction of you know people being able to make music with no limitations you know i agree um you know michael was just um he was so incredibly different. And, um, you know, and so I was alive, I was alive during the eighties and, um, I was, and so in 82, I was 12 years old. And, um, I remember it's funny, you know, because I, I love Michael Jackson's music. Um, it's just, and so, you know, that's one of the musicians that is in my playlist every week, believe it or not. Um, I, I kind of have to listen to a little bit every week still today. And, um, in 1982, um, 83, whenever it was, um, and so the, the Thriller album had come out, and I remember one of one of our buddies got the Thriller album for Christmas, and, oh, we picked on him. We drove him so much, because none of us wanted to admit that, that we all liked it. It, um, it just wasn't, it wasn't popular with 12-year-olds, at least not in my neighborhood, and, um, you know, today I listen to Michael's music and 
I'm just like, you know, it means something to me. And there are certain songs that, that have a very emotional thing. And so here's, here's an interesting thing. And so my mother, um, we moved to Kansas city in, in like 75, 76. And, mm. um, mm-hmm. she worked for, for years as a security guard and, the company she worked for, Michael Jackson, in the 80s, came to Kansas City um, for a tour. And um, she um, she was posted outside of Michael Jackson's door at, uh, it was either at the Hyatt or at um, Crown Center. And so someone walked out of the room with a, with a rose and, and offered it to her and said, hey, this is from Michael. And, and you know, he knows you're out here and he appreciates you. And he, he wanted you to have this. She didn't take it. She, you know, because you know they weren't allowed. I know she, they weren't allowed to do uh, that. And um, yeah. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. And you know, I, you know, to me, I don't know. That's just, I would have, I would have taken it. You know, fuck the job, give me the rose. <laughs> you know, I'd have taken it. Even at 12, I'd have been like, you know, yeah. at at 50, I would, I would have taken it. And um, yeah. what's interesting, and so where I'm, where I kind of want to go with all of this, I recently had a conversation with another another musician, and. Um, and so one of the things he talked about was we were we were talking about different artists that had impacted us. And, and his thing was he was like, you know, I really like Morrissey. And he said, but I have this issue with Morrissey's politics. And I wonder, how do I separate the person from the music? And that's something that he struggles with. And it is something that I struggle with. And so, you know, I, I look at Michael Jackson and, and I have to separate certain elements of his life from the music. Does does that ever enter your mind? Oh yeah, definitely. I think for me, I I had that realization with Kanye West because like, you know, I got I remember when I was uh living down in Florida as a child, we were moving to Texas. Well we were looking at houses in Texas and um during that road trip there from uh, Fort Lauderdale to like Fort Worth, Texas uh, the only CD that I had to listen to was Kanye West's like college dropout when I was in like the third grade and uh, no fourth grade. And I remember like listening to this song and then growing with his music as I grew older. And then as I started to get older, right, you know, I started to realize and become more conscious of who this person was, what they had done in their lives, what was going on with the politics of course of like that whole the whole George Bush thing but then like up until then you know once you know he started meeting with Trump you know and and I spoke directly to the politics where that was a very cutting edge moment for I think society you have this person this musician whose music is unequivocally great I mean you know for a person to have as many Grammys and have as many collaborations as he he does, that's like a, a huge feature. But then you take a microscope to the politics of their life and those things, and you're like, wait, what? Like it's like <laughs> it like juxtaposes everything because it's like, well, yeah. But then, um, you know, for a while I was like, oh damn, like Kanye fucking with Trump. No, I can't even fuck with his music like that anymore. You know, wait, he said that, you know, he brought in this politics of like slaves had a choice. Oh, now I really can't fuck with his music anymore. And this is coming from a lifelong, like, fan of Kanye. This is somebody, my first 
hip hop album besides Lil Jon and the Eastside Boys was Kanye West, The Dropout. You know what I mean? And that was like my archetype for what music sounded like. And, you know, and then, you know, I had to face that same uh, reality, Robert, where I was like, ah, damn. I need to separate the politics from the actual music. Cause you know, there are songs I like to listen to and, um, you know, from his catalog. But then when I think about the politics, I then tend to turn off his music. You know what I mean? Or like, um, you know, and, and I think, you know, music is just such a huge reflection again of that social dynamic that's happening in the present moment for that artist um but i also think that you know there's something to be said about being able to not have uh, attachment to who they are as a person because at the end of the day we're all human and i think that you know we're on this giant rock for so much time and we shouldn't have to worry about spending time on you know spending our energy on, you know, judging the person. And it's more worth just, you know, just taking it as it is. Now, of course, like, you know, there's no room. For, <laughs> you know, I think about R. Kelly too, right? I, I never really listened <laughs> to his music. <laughs> right? So you right. got like situations like that where it's just like, all right, that's fucked up. Like, I no, like, I can't. You know, it's interesting to have conversations. And I'm curious if you've, had a conversation yet with like any r kelly fans some people like i asked my families who you know a lot of them are r kelly heads i'm like do you still listen to his music and they're like fuck yeah i'm gonna still listen to his music like yeah that's fucked up what he did but like you know this music came before that and i'm like but still does it feel weird to know that possibly some of the lyrics and the songs you like was about the actions that he took like so I think there is a gray area. There's kind of like this, you know, when the the fuzz on the TV comes on type shit, you know, right. it, that that exists within situations like that, you know. It does, you know. I think, um, and so this all all this goes back to our earlier conversation about, you know, um, the the two things that you need are are music and air, and or music and water, and. Um, you know, the importance of music in our life is that for me, I, I think it is that it is that one art form that is very inclusive. And so, you know, I can I can look at a painting or a sculpture or a, a dance performance and be very drawn in and, and almost become part of it in a sense. But music can do that to me. The right song at the right time can hit me every single time and and make me part of of what is going on what is what I am hearing and um, because of that inclusivity it is really difficult sometimes to to separate yourself from that you know um, I listened to the I listened to the Kanye interview on the Joe Rogan show and um, you know Kanye I was just like you know he is crazy as fuck but he's a genius and I, I agree. And so the whole, the whole Trump thing just threw me. I was like, what, what are you doing? And just all up on national TV with no shame, um, yeah. shaking hands. And I'm thinking, oh, there's just no way in hell this, this doesn't make sense. And, um, 
you know, I stopped trying to wrap my mind around it, and I, I do occasionally listen to to some Kanye. I, I like Kanye. It's hard to not like the music, but um, yeah, I think it's I think it's really important. We gotta, you know, sometimes either either just don't know or or you know just think you know what um, whatever it is you got going on is fucked up. However, um, you know, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll do what I, what I do. And so the, in the story, and this all started with 1982 and with Michael. And so in your Ted talk, you, you talked about your mom and her friends. And so they're in the car and they're driving down the street and the song comes on and, and you did a nice little, little beatbox rendition of the song. Now, I think we all know what that's from. That's Michael Jackson's Billie Jean, which was released back in 1982. Was, was that a true story? Did, they, did she tell you about that? Yep, she um, told me about that because I remember when I was asking her, like, Mom, what was this, the music that was like when you were, you know, hanging out with your friends in the day? And like, what was that one song for you that kind of stuck out the most? And she said, Billie Jean. Um, and you know, she said that they were driving in her, um, I think she had a Ford, not an Escort, but, um, I gotta ask her again what it was, but it was like one of those cars that when it just first had came out, it was kind of like the equivalence of like, they having like, uh, I don't even know what to compare it to today, but yeah, she, she was telling me that her and her friends were just cruising to the city and that song came on the radio. And they were just bopping. I was like, damn, what a, what a time to be alive. You know what I mean? Like the 80s, um, you know, people are, you know, not like today. Like I feel like back then everybody was, you know, and ain't no social media. You know, you got your, your couple of radio stations, you got your cassette tapes, you know what I'm saying? And it's like life was much simpler. You know what I mean? It was, you know, the 80s, you know, and so when I heard that earlier, I, I was thinking it, it took me back, obviously. And so we've we've gone back there several times. It, um, you know, the 80s, you know, now that I think about it and, and you've kind of put it in this perspective for me, um, I'm going to tell you that the myth is true. It really kind of was musically. It was kind of a party. There was so much going on that, um, you know, I recently talked to somebody who, um, young young kid out of um the carolinas who is the 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 absolute polar fucking opposite of of hall and oats but he um he actually recently recorded uh, a song with john of hall and oats and um it's just unbelievable and so you know they found him and was like Hey, we want to do something with you. And he was like, Oh yeah, sure. Of course. And so he's one of those, Servon Campbell's his name. And so he's one of these just like really diverse cats that, you know, can just listen to somebody, something, somebody's music and say, Oh, this is where I fit into this. And it's really interesting. It's interesting to me. So I know you've worked with a lot of people, some people that I've spoken to. And so you've done some stuff with Justice Hill and you've done some stuff with Ishe. And Ishe is one of those individuals who, you know, when Justice and I were talking, he was like, yeah, you know, I just hit him up and was like, hey, this is what I got. And I sent it out. And 
Ishe came back with, you know, this this opposite emotional response to um, to, to to Justice's track pretty quickly, and it just blends. And um, what I enjoy about it is that it it blends in this seamless way, even though it is very different, a very different perspective. Um, it's almost, you know, you know what I really enjoy musically is when, when you do, you know, like a pop jazz rap type of thing combination, I really enjoy when it, it, one form seems unintrusive of the other. There's this complimentation, there's this, this, it, it complements so well and blends so well that it almost becomes, the transition becomes unnoticeable. And to me, I, I just think that is just fucking amazing. But, um, and I kind of lost my train of thought. I, I was kind of caught up in the moment. But, so yeah, that's what I was talking about is that oh. you've, you've worked with some interesting people. Um, who, who's been your favorite um, collaboration and why? Well, I, I, I got to tell you, uh, Robert, when I saw that you did that Ishe, both with Justice and Ishe, the, and, and for me to be like the, the third out of those, out of those two to now be doing an interview with you. And I, you know, I love numbers and the power of them. And three is my favorite number. And, you know, us having this conversation is an affirmation that we're all on our divine path with our purpose in life. And, you know, I, I got to say some of the best collaborations that I've done have come from Ishe. And, um, you know, it is so, it just, so such a full circle phenomena because I met Ichie in 2014 when I first got down to SIU Carbondale. Uh, he was rapping in the uh, uh, in the student center, and me and my roommate at the time, which is another great artist, um, who you know I, we ended up roommating, and come to find out he's a rapper. And so me and him were walking through the student center. Ichie was off to the side rapping. And walked up, it was like, yo, you, uh, you know what I'm saying? You do, uh, music down here? And he was like, yeah, you know, I'm a part of the, uh, the audio engineering program down here, uh, at SIU. And when he told me that, I was like, damn, there's an audio engineering program in Carbondale? So, like, you know, from there, our, our relationship blossomed into this, uh, this long, you know, um, history and, and present moments of, of creating music. You know, we started writing music down there at SIU, came up to Chicago, of course, when we graduated in 2016. From there, we started, you know, creating a, we were writing an album called Promo Therapy. <laughs> Yo, I feel amazing, especially since I'm blazing, sipping lemonade in 88 degree weather, feeling better with the warmth that you hold me with, you so legit, I'll take a solar ship just to visit you, cause I be missing you, I just wanna sun kiss, kiss you, make my skin darker, turn my skin into chocolate, you're the opposite of the moon, but yet you make me feel wavy, yeah, yeah. Therapy, we talked about, you know, tracking down musicians in Chicago to like actually record the, the music and uh, be able to do shows. And I went to a jam session. I go to this fucking jam session. There's this dude just tearing it up on the piano and on the organ. <laughs> Long and behold, it's fucking Justice Hill. And I'm like, I went up to him and I was like, yo, what's up, man? Like, 
you know, after we got done jamming, I was like, dude, what's up? You know, my name's Jalen, you know, and da da da. You know, we connected and I said, Hey man, I'm working with this awesome rapper right now. I gotta introduce you to him. His name is Ishe and uh it, it, it's just um it was so amazing because then Justice recorded keys on chromotherapy. Um, we we did a, a, a range of live shows and performances for like so far Chicago and at different, you know, uh, venues around the city. And then from there, you know, Ishe decided to go and get his uh, master's degree up in New York. And, you know, me and Justice continue to play together on the live scene. And, you know, to this day, that's been, I would say that's been my favorite collaborator, Ishe, because from that one collaboration down at SIU have come so many intricate, intricately woven collaborations from that. And it's, it's just such a beautiful thing. And, 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 you know, to be sharing this moment with you right now is proof of that, you know? Yeah. You know, the thing about Ishe is, um, and so, you know, I, I discover him and I'm like, okay, you know, I, I got to talk to this cat. And so I'm, I'm on his Instagram. And so there's a link to his, to his website. And, um, and so I go and I'm, I'm like checking him out and I'm like, well, hold on this, this cat, there's, there's like a whole lot more going on here. That's like really interesting. And so then we get into the conversation. And so there's actually two conversations. The the first one we I've posted. And so the, 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 and, and that is actually the one, so the one that's posted right now is actually the second conversation. The first conversation we had so unbelievably deep and cool that, you know, it has to, it has to get out there. It, it's just one of those conversations that it just has to be heard because I, I think, I think it's the best glimpse into who Ishe is as, as a human being, as an artist, as just in existence. And, um, it, it's unbelievable sometimes when you can sit down with somebody and just connect on this this emotional and, and intellectual level that is incredibly unexpected. And we just, it was like we had this immediate vibe that, that you know, we both just really enjoyed. And um, it's funny that, you know, the number three with you, because um, I have talked, I have spoken to all three of you, and it's like this trifecta. And, and so, Justice. And so when I reached out to Justice, um, I sent him like the world's creepiest email and was like, hey, I'm a huge fan, da da da. And this is who I am. And I would love to have you. <laughs> yeah, it was super creepy. But he was real, way cool about it. And, um, you know, didn't even acknowledge the oddness of my email. And I even in the email was like, I know this is the oddest email you've ever received. But here's the thing. Um, I, I, I got turned on to Justice last year. And he, he, believe it or not, is in my top five of artists of all time. Um, I really fucking dig what he does. There's just, um, there's something about his music. And so what's, what's interesting is a lot of the stuff that I really enjoy with him, you're on that song, you're on this track or that track, you, you were part of this creation. And, and so being able to come back to you and, and, have these conversations with you. And so justice was justice. Justice, I think was one of my funnest conversations. Like it was just, we started out talking about like Pizzoli and, and, you know, we just, we just had a good vibe and it was just fun. And there was this great energy. Um, Ishe was a, was, that was like a whole different intellectual level of, of just connection. And you, you really, Ishe is, is one of these individuals, I think, who personally and musically 
can draw you in and um you know it's it's almost as if um you're in a room with with the, the floor to ceiling walls everything is a mirror and 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 there and, and shit has been windexed everything is incredibly crisp and clear and you know where you stand and you you know where you are in the universe with with Ishe and that's um that's some impactful shit and when you can put that into music when that can be released on an album um that's pretty unbelievable hell yeah yeah and oh man you hit you hit the nail on the head when you're able to capture those moments and put it on a track that is some powerful powerful shit i mean just the vibration of that you know and you know, that's exactly what Ishe and Justice are. They're, they are masters of their craft and masters of vibrations, you know, and, um, you know, just two two great individuals that I look up to and inspire me to, you know, push the needle on music, you know, and, um, yeah, to see that we, we've all been able and honored to have been, you know, here on your, your podcast. Robert is amazing. Thank you so much for, for, you know, giving us the opportunity to share our stories and hear your story too, you know? Yeah, it's, um, you know, the honor, the honor is absolutely mine. Um, the ability to, to connect with somebody and, 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 and listen to the music and, and get to know them. And, and, you know, my thing is always this, is that, you know, um, you know, when I, when I, in, in post-production, there will be some music added and, and we will discuss the music and, you know, but here's the thing. If, if you're a, if you're a painter, um, if, if I have a guest on and they're a painter and you want to see their painting, um, you know, go to Instagram or take your ass to the gallery with a mask on, whatever it is you're going to do, you know, hit Spotify, Bandcamp, do what you feel like you need to do. I, I really, you know, so we all know that, that they're an amazing artist and, and this is why they're here. And that's only, that's the, you know, that's how I, that's how I lure you in. I'm like, Hey, I want to talk about your music. What we really want to talk about is, is who you are as an individual. We want to get to know you. And that's, what's always, that's, that's how people connect is that we love who, who everybody is and what they do. And we're amazed by it, but we want to know how this happens and, and, you know, what it means to them. And, and that's what I get from conversations like this one with you. And, and so our conversation, it's funny because it, it, it almost seems like it's been all over the place, but it's all been interconnected. And, and that's what's been amazing. Um, before we close, um, I want to tell you a story. And so, because we talked about the, the last, we, we talked about the last song that we listened to. When I was, and so we're going to go back to 12 years old. That seems to be the magic number tonight in 1982. And so I'm going to give you a little story that you might find interesting. And this happened in like 82. Um, mm -hmm. Kiss, the band Kiss was in town in Kansas City. And um, I had never been to a concert. And so I had a little friend. And, and so he was 12, 13 years old too. And um, he loved Kiss. And that was just like his world. And he says to me, he's like, hey, you want to go to the Kiss concert? And I was like, yeah. And so um, we, we get heading downtown and, um, you know, and I told him, I'm like, you, you know, I don't have any money. You know, fuck, we're 12 years old. We don't have jobs. And um, he's like, yeah, I don't either. And I'm like, well, do you have tickets? And he's like, no, we're going to sneak in. And um, so we get downtown Kansas City and we managed to sneak into the Kiss concert. And it was fucking amazing. So 12 years old, we are, we are amongst the adults, man, at, in teenagers, whatever. Um, at a Kiss concert, my very first concert was a Kiss concert, 
but it was absolutely. And so here's the question. If you could, um, if you could sneak into any concert in the world, what would it be? Wow. Um, I can sneak into any concert. Oh man. You know, that's a great question because there's been a couple of times that I can recall trying to sneak into a concert. And <laughs> um, I am not the only rogue. Thank you for that lifeline. <laughs> hey, sometimes you just got to go off the radar and get in where you can fit in, you know? <laughs> money is tight sometimes. Remember earlier, we didn't have gas money. Now we have no money for tickets, but we need to vibe. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Man. You know, for some reason, and, you know, I don't know why I would ever have to break into this concert, but I would have been, you know, one of my favorite recordings ever came from 1963 um, at the Village Vanguard in New York. Um, and, you know, John Coltrane played there with his quartet. And I think that if there were any place that I could sneak into, it would have been the Village Vanguard at, at this uh, this show that he did that was live recorded i'll send it to you he played this version of spiritual and uh i remember hearing this song for the first time in 2012 when i was really just starting to get into like jazz and 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 i was really i was like i had fallen through the rabbit hole and stumbled upon this song that just opened up my entire just my ear to everything and i remember saying back then too i was like damn the things I would have done to have been at this live show, I'll have to send you the recording. It was just, you could just tell like being there in person would have been just such a, a movement. And I'm imagining lines outside everybody like, damn, can I get into this place that can only hold like, you know, 15 to 20 people. There's a line outside that lasts for two hours because people want to see John Coltrane and, you know, I just kind of walked through the alley in the back and, you know, the smoke, oh, the cook is outside smoking and, you know, you know, goes to put his cigarette out and I sneak in, sneak through the kitchen. Just so happened that, you know, somebody got up and left. I take their chair and sit down and there I am in front of John Coltrane. 